I can see you out there, Kelly. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. <laughs> Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Kellen Olsen is here. Well, he's not here. We obviously couldn't get him in the facility. So, uh, so he's, he's he'd on. be invited if he wanted. Would to. he be? I, we, yes, we didn't of course. Confer about this. All right. Well, Tim rings in for Wolf. Kellen Olson is on the Arizona Sports Line. <laughs> Kellen, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Hey. hey. <laughs> uh, all right. How's uh, how's your off season treating you, Kellen? How's uh, any clarity yet? Anything you want to tell us about exactly what the Phoenix Suns are going to do in four weeks? <laughs> Why did you ask it like that? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I guess to a certain extent. I mean, what do you want to get into? Let's specify it right here, Luke. Well, here, I, this is actually where I want to start because every time uh, Tim and I have been having this conversation today and when Wolf and I have been talking about it, I, I do have one, and I don't know that there's a way to know this answer, but we talk so much about, you know, are they going to trade Chris Paul? Are they going to bring him back? DeAndre Ayton, this in a perfect world, Kellen, what do you think they want to do with DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul? Like, would they rather just have them both back? Well, the perfect world part is is a tricky area to like navigate, and, and what I mean by that is, in a perfect world, they would have a roster that is balanced and deep and has multiple options at each position. And if that includes Chris Paul and DeAndre, and I think that they would prefer that option, but I don't think it can. Um, I went through two different exercises on ArizonaSports.com this week, just kind of looking at what exactly are the routes that they can take, like looking at the possibilities with Chris Paul, looking at the possibilities with DeAndre Ayton. And what I learned more than anything is that I I think they just have to trade DeAndre Ayton. I, I think even if he was coming off of a much better season, they still would have been in this kind of position right now where even if they had wanted to really keep him and looked at him as like a cornerstone of the franchise, they would have been in this kind of unavoidable spot where they almost have to move him. Now they can stretch and wave Chris and open up the mid-level exception and the biannual exception, two ways for them to sign free agents while they're over the cap, but that's just two spots and they've got five or six to fill right now. So they can't just sign two guys there and sign guys to minimums. I tried that in in the exercise and the team didn't turn out that good in my opinion. So I think they have to trade D.A., but the question is what can they get for him, but they have to look to get multiple useful players for him because you can't just run it back with those four guys and then fill out the rest of the roster with veterans minimums, guys. There's too many teams around the league that are going to be signing players. Like I'm sure you can get one or two guys that you wouldn't expect, per se, because you're the Suns, you're a contender, people want to play with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, but at the same time you can't rely on that all the way. Kellen, give me some of the scenarios um... – you know, for the Suns, obviously, if they wave and stretch Chris, as you mentioned, you get the mid-level exception, 12.2, and the 4.5 biannual. So that's obvious. You can use those on, on a couple players. How does that compare to what you could potentially get for trading Chris Paul? And I know your answer is, well, Tim, it depends on who they get. But, like, what does that market look like? And like, How could you best summarize the difference in doing one or the other, trading versus the wave and stretch in terms of, what helps you become a better basketball team? Right. There's there's so much context and nuance involved in this. I think one of the main things to understand is that if, if they open up the $12 million, right, and they look at that mid-level, that non-taxpayer mid-level exception by stretching and waving Chris, you're going to be looking to add a point guard probably, right? Or you're going to be looking to add someone like a small forward, for example, or the other wing spot, whatever you want to call it, right, to fill out that other starting spot. 
Um, it, it's just not really that good of a free agent class of point guards specifically for that tier. Like if we were looking at a free agent class where there were a half dozen point guards you would want on your team that could make between 10 to $15 million in free agency per year, then this would be great timing for the Suns. They could work out really well. But that's not, just not really the case right now. The only guy that I really looked at as a realistic possibility is Gabe Benson. I think Miami is going to want to keep him and is going to give him a lot more money than that to keep him around. And then and then you start talking about guys a little bit lower, like Dennis Schroeder, like Jalen Noel. And then you go a bit higher. You're talking about Fred Van Vliet, who's out of their price uh, range. So that part is, is difficult where you go to trading. But the difficulty with trading Chris is that I believe that there's going to be a notion out there based on the news cycle that happened last week that there's a very good chance that the Suns are just going to waive him anyway. So what team would trade him when they know that they could get him in on their cap for four, five, ten, twelve million dollars as opposed to the full thirty that they would be taking on if they would trade for him? Now, there could be a team that wants to acquire him, but what if that team is on the East Coast? Chris wants to stay close to his family. That's always been something that's been important to him, having them in L.A. So there are multiple tricky parts of Chris's situation that I think directly correlate to DeAndre, where more often than not, you wind up in a situation where you just have to move D.A. because of the lack of um, filling in that Chris allows you to do if you get rid of him, which it, it, it seems like if you had to bet I don't really know which way I would land, honestly, because there are limited avenues to replace him at point guard and, and bringing him back makes sense, but at the same time, you'd be running it back with him again after three straight postseasons where he got hurt. So I, I, I don't really have a good answer. It's, it's a tricky answer for them to figure out in the next couple of weeks. Man, oh, man. Talking to Kellen Olson, you referenced the uh, the mock offseason pieces you have up on ArizonaSports.com uh, right now. Tim, you can see this. I did. I put together a flow chart on uh, on They're your... really good. I can tell Kellen worked really hard on them. Yeah, well, so Kellen, and... I, I actually did put together a flow chart here so I would have it for easy reference on the air and one of the trades uh, when Wolf was here one of the the moves he liked the one where you trade Chris Paul in DA he he loves Clint Capella Uh, you mentioned Bogdan uh, Bogdanovich in there although that wasn't actually part of your move that was just kind of a name that always surfaces you mentioned Tobias Harris Dennis Schroeder when when doing this exercise and kind of really digging deep and all the different ways this could go was there a name or two that stood out to you as a realistic piece the Suns might be able to acquire that you liked more than anybody else yeah, I like the Atlanta deal for sure. And to be clear, a lot of these trades, I went on the lower end of value for DeAndre. And I think that the biggest variable in the entire offseason for the Suns is how what DeAndre's trade value is. Because if it's if it's still on sort of the higher end that we would expect for a guy who was the number one pick, who was enti- very productive, who was the, the third best player on a team that made the finals two years ago, like he was amazing in that 2021 playoff run so you have a reference point of what he can achieve but you look at the way that he regressed last season and especially in the postseason as well I think that this trade value is going to be pretty low but with that in mind if it's like on the higher end that's where you look back towards the Indiana thing again and how he got the opportunity from them last year that's where you look at a center like Miles Turner who could come in and be very productive and they've got another guard in TJ McConnell who could help them out they've got Buddy Hill on an expiring contract that could factor in there as well, who's a shooter. Indiana makes a bit of sense. I didn't get to them, though, in the exercise. I went a little bit lower. I went to Atlanta, where Clint Capella has been more hit or miss for them, but he does the dirty work, and that's something that has always been a topic of conversation with DeAndre, and I think more than anything, if you're looking around it, fits across the league for guys to potentially replace him. I think it's guys that are more willing to take on that role, and I think that that's I don't want to misconstrue it a bit because DeAndre was willing to do it a, a lot. But with that being said, he wants to take on a role where he's the offensive hub of sorts. And that's not really something that's going to fit with this team at all. 
going into next season. So you look at someone like Clint Capella. I think Daniel Gafford's one of the most more underrated players in the league right now in Washington. He's established himself as a starting caliber in the last two years as one of the better defensive centers in the league. So if you talk about pairing him with Frank Vogel, that's pretty exciting. Jakob Pertl is a name to keep an eye on in free agency. I believe it's Toronto that's got the rights on him right now. We'll see exactly what happens with him. But if the Suns open up the MLE, he could be a guy to throw money at as well. He defends, he rebounds really well. So there are names out there for sure that, that are interesting at center and point guard. But it's just a matter of how the Suns get them here, and that's the more complicated part. Well, Kellen, we appreciate the time as always, and uh, you're not getting any time off because the draft is like eight days away. So thanks, man. And go cover the D-backs, too, while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm going tonight. Thanks, guys. See ya. Right, thanks, thanks, man. Kellen. All right, buddy.